Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. It is a game day. Welcome to Hockey Central at noon. Peter Klein, Will Nolt, Logan Gordon with you on another Flames versus Leafs game day. Wednesday night hockey tonight. It is a 5 o'clock start, which means a 4 o'clock warm-up here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. That also means it is a very busy day at the radio station, so we waste no more time in getting to our Flames Insider. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Good afternoon, Mr. Labardius. How are you today, sir? I'm uh, I'm hanging in today. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, another chance to, to watch the Flames and the Leafs today. Um, we, we talked yesterday about the work that they put in. We said today need to carry or need to carry that over into today. And it looks like the the lines are going to stay the same. I like this a lot. Kind of keep that consistency going. Um, what do you think, or, or what do you make uh, of the Flames? Just going with the, if it's not broke, don't fix it mentality with the lines tonight. Well, I heard you chatting with Eric yesterday, and I don't want to turn it into a big subject today. I really don't. The The only caveat that I would add in terms of the lines, the lineup, keeping it together, Peter, you have a huge baseball background. And yes. why I point to that is my take has always been, I don't know if there's a coach or a manager, anybody who's ever coached in sports, in, in a perfect world, which it isn't, and that's what I always try to remind people of, um, you'd like to put your lines out the same way all the time. But... You know, and again, we can debate when it's time for change or when it's not time for change. But I think when things ante up and there's pressure and there's a lot of heat and there's a lot of noise, um, I don't know if you drink smoothies, but but do you stop putting things into the blender? Don't you stop? tinkering with the smoothie until you feel like you've got the right mix. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, at least that that's what I've heard from smoothie drinking people. Uh, but no, you're, you're right. Um, and I, I, my thought is like, I, I understand that the want to kind of mix things up right away if something isn't going, but I, I think in this season with how chaotic it is, I would like to see, and let it work itself out a little bit, a little bit more. It was kind of what I would like to see. And I like that from last night, they don't mix it up a whole lot. Or from Monday night, I guess. They don't mix it up a whole lot, and it ends up working out pretty well. And I like that you just carry it over into this one. I like kind of sticking with that consistency now for the Flames. Oh, I, I like that, too. I like that, too. And you know who else I guarantee you likes that is Jeff Ward. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to have to mix and match all the time. You really don't. That, that is not what you, what you do. But, you know, with this Flames team, something that I don't think there's always enough consideration about is that when you aren't finding consistency in your groups and you're already in what feels like every night is almost a do-or-die situation and you don't necessarily 
have the perfect parts, you know, to build your machine. To me, that's why, Peter, I go back to this team more in pairs than I do a lot of times with lines. Because certain people that you've brought in haven't necessarily fit. And they get responsibility for that as much as anybody else. But anyway, let's get back to the point at hand. And the point at hand is you had a great night. You had great work from your team. There's no reason to change. And they won't. I I don't see any lineup changes. You do have a back-to-back situation. Um, Really, now it's about putting that work on the table again tonight knowing that it's going to have to be even better because the funny thing, if you listen to any of the Toronto media in the last 24 plus hours, you know what I heard? I heard the Leafs were awful. They were (laughs) awful. Their best people were awful. They had 75 shot attempts, 34 on goal, seven on the power play, seven opportunities. But apparently they were awful. So that's the noise and the outside thought. And did I think they were at their highest level? No, I didn't. Do I think they'll be much better tonight? Yes, I do. And have we already seen an instance this year of a scenario where you shut out somebody's top elite, elite level people one night, and that becomes a much more difficult chore in the next game. Well, there is the task of the Calgary Flames going up against Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, Nylander. But the Leafs, Peter, have a significant change for me tonight. Might not be a significant change for everyone, but Zach Hyman comes back into the lineup tonight. And Zach Hyman for my money, is one of the underrated people on the Leafs and maybe in the division because of his work, his battle level. He does a lot of heavy lifting for both Matthews and Marner, who are more than capable, and we've already talked this week about where I've seen great strides in their overall game, especially Matthews, and as a team. But having Hyman back, the other night, remember, they loaded up with Tavares to begin, and then it changed. But having Hyman alone back in really makes them, for me, a more formidable opponent. And not just offensively, but what he allows you to do defensively. Because Even Saturday night when Joe Thornton and Hyman were in, in defensive zone situations, Sheldon Keefe and the coaching staff would at times remove Joe, and who would they put in that responsible spot? Zach Hyman. So I think the Leafs right there become better almost instantly, even though Zach doesn't get the pomp circumstance praise or the criticism 
necessarily when things don't go well. Although, especially in the Mike Babcock era, he took a lot of heat in Toronto for, why would you play that guy there? Well, from how I watch the sport, it's been a pretty good reason to understand why that guy gets to be in that spot. Well, and I think that ties in pretty well with what we talked about to, to start, where the Flames are kind of looking for some of those guys to, to fit in with that Gaudreau-Monahan pair. They're not having that conversation about the Marner-Matthews pair. The, the Hyman thing has absolutely worked out. And while we as hockey fans sometimes like to think, just throw whoever the heck beside the, your top players and they will thrive, it doesn't always work that way. And Hyman, I, I think, really does. We, again, we talk about like slotting and, and how different lines work. When he is in the lineup, this, again, not the super-duper star that Toronto has, but it really does make this whole lineup just fill out a whole lot better. Peter, it does, but the caveat I'm going to give you to that is they have been able to use Hyman this year in different places. And you know why? It's the same reason that the Flames have been able to make a move in part with Elias Lindholm to the middle. Because when Sean improved his 200-foot game, and now that pair with Johnny Gaudreau doesn't need as much heavy lifting, especially on nights like tonight, where you're going up against as high-end as high-end can be, doesn't that free you up? That's why when Joe Thornton is healthy, he plays with those guys. And they've taken Hyman and moved him down the lineup. In fact, we've seen Hyman when Thornton has played with two guys who haven't necessarily held things up, and they're under criticism in Toronto, and that's Tavares and William Nylander. So Mm -hmm. Hyman, in his own way, is a fixer. They don't need him as much, but without Thornton, and when your lineup is affected in different ways, now that's a great area for Sheldon Keith to go back to. You know, Hyman to me is kind of, for Toronto, what Andrew Mangiapane is in many ways for the Flames. He never cheats you on the work. He's not necessarily the highest end offensive player, but can you always rely on his details and his work? Yes, you can. So that to me is Zach Hyman, and that to me is the comparison of, you know, even though these are two very different teams with different skill levels, but that's truly how I feel coaches look at it and think about it when they put people together chatting with our Flames insider Peter Lavardius here on Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. I'm Peter Klein. For the first time today, we say hello to Will Nault. Lou, it's funny you mentioned, you know, being in the right spot, doing everything right, doing everything kind of under the radar. Elias Lindholm, 27-32 on Monday. Uh, oh. That is, I mean, sure, yeah, the quietest 27-32 in the world. Um, what's, what are you looking at tonight with Elias Lindholm? Because... We didn't talk much about him yesterday. I, I, I wasn't on the show with you and Pete. Don't know what you guys did talk about. But, you know, not very often are you going to give Austin Matthews and company 
that many attempts and that many tries and not have them find the back of your net. What's the job for Lindholm tonight? Well, I love how you phrased all of this, my friend. (laughs) Because you know why Elias Lindholm sometimes doesn't get the pomp and circumstance? Because of the work that he does that goes unnoticed. The details in his game. You don't think there's not a reason he played 27 minutes? Now, granted, 7-12 of that came on the penalty kill. By the way, he also won 78% of his face-offs. Had blocks. Had a lot of very, very difficult matchups. And yes, did we talk about Sean yesterday? And for good reason. Did he give the team a spark? Absolutely. Did that line play well? Yes. But in the guts of the game, in the battles, in the trenches, was there anybody better in that game than Elias Lindholm? And for me, the answer is no. Absolutely not. No. He makes people better. In my estimation, he is the Calgary Flames poster person for consistency in so many ways. And he does a pile of heavy lifting. Here's head coach Jeff Ward on the type of effort Elias provided his team on Monday. Oh, man, he sure is. And what a hockey player. Like, the things that he does the more that I'm around him, they never surprise me. You know, and we made a comparison with him and Patrice Bergeron, I think as early as two years ago, you know, I started talking to you about him being similar and I see it more and more and more. And, um, that was a, you know, Patrice Bergeron-esque performance uh, the other night. And um, he likes being in those situations. He looks forward to them. He's effective in them. And he's a guy that plays both sides of the puck. He plays all three zones. And it was never more evident than the other night. And, uh, you know, he takes he takes pride in the way that he prepares himself and he's, you know, he's ready to go and, and, and do it again tonight. When you have a guy on your team like that, uh, you know, that's a, that's a good thing to, to mold your culture around. Um, you know, the importance of being player-led in, you know, in today's game and with today's athletes carries huge weight in terms of your commitment level and your accountability as much as, you know, the, the coach-led aspect of it has to be there. But when it's player-led, I just think there's a synergy – uh, that's that's involved with that that players bring to the table. It you know it leads into the the commitment level. It leads into the accountability level. And when the players have that, um, it's easier for them to go out and play at a higher level because they're seeing guys doing. He's certainly a leader for us in that department. Yeah, I mean that's that's about as as high praise <laughs> as you can get. And when you get compared to, to a gentleman named Patrice Bergeron, obviously Jeff Ward, seeing him up up close uh, a lot of time. And Lou, I know that you've watched Patrice for a long, long time. It's a comparison you've heard a lot. And I know you're not big on comparisons, but but how do you kind of phrase that one when you talk about Bergeron and Lindholm? Well, I think, you know, not to pat myself on the back, but and I always get help. I approach things this way, Will, and, and you know me very well. I think something, then I run it by people who mm-hmm. know more than I do, but 
I saw that comparison a couple years ago, and I thought for this team in trying to build potentially something different in their forward core that, for me, it started right there. Because even, you know, him playing with Matthew Kachuk, I saw a Bergeron-Marchand type of comparison with those types of people and their skill sets and what they bring to the table. So you're right. I'm not always a huge fan of comparison, Mm. but when you watch this guy's game and the subtleties, you know, well, you might've heard it. You might not have yesterday, but you know, little things for me always really stand out. There's a moment in the third period in that seven, one game in Edmonton on Saturday and Elias Lindholm's battle level without the puck is as high at 7-1 as it was in the opening faceoff. That's the type of person I want to build my group with. And it rarely wavers. He rarely has what I would call a bad night. Mm-hmm. No, I agree 100%. We're going to stay down the middle, Lou, and you talk a lot about confidence, but especially with this player, because for, for Michael Backlund, when his confidence is high, his game is really, really strong. When his confidence is not there, his game is noticeably different and noticeably maybe not where we expect it to be. Michael Backlund and his line, Lou, maybe some of the growth you've seen the last seven to ten days from him individually and, and over the years, because he's a guy that constantly has been tasked with some of the toughest matchups for this Flames group. Well, well, I, I love I love how you phrase it, my friend. Because yes, my, Michael Michael's level of care is immense. Michael's growth has been immense, and yes, is it fair to suggest at times, you know, everybody's level of confidence will alter when your role changes. So last year, remember, spent a lot of time on the wing, and then when he went back to the middle, he was lights out. And that even carried through the summer. Now, with the move of Elias Lindholm, things are a little different for Michael. And do I think early in the year that played a bit of a part? Yes. The fact that he's also working with some different people all the time um, in trying to find the way, sure, that figures in. Um, well, he only played 16 and a half playing with Lucic and Dubé. And that's, that doesn't necessarily speak to him. But remember, it's also who you play with and the minutes and what those players give you as well. Because believe it or not, I'm not sure anybody believes this anymore, but coaches actually do look to put people in the best situations they can to help your team try to win. But the point about Michael is this. When Michael goes up against, in the last couple of years in particular, remember the great game he had in Boston last year in February? One of the best games I've ever seen him play. Well, who is that against? Bergeron and friends. February the 6th. Fabulous in leading the Flames back to a win against the Edmonton Oilers. His penalty killing the other night as part of that incredible group. So 
he's in a real swing position, Will, tonight, because mm. do, do I expect, you know, time-wise and responsibility, a lot of Lindholm and Monaghan, depending on the way the game is going, but in the defensive zone at the heart of the matter, are, are you okay starting Michael against anybody in the league? You are. That's an advantage for your team especially with Sean back in the lineup. So I wanted to point to that. But today on Zoom, I asked Michael this question. You've been around a long time. I personally think he's played some of his best games against elite-level people. I asked him why he has been better the last few years in those situations. Here's his answer. Yeah, for sure. When I got into the league, I could be sometimes intimidated by playing against, you know, guys like Datsuk, Sederberg, uh, Crosby. Um, just had a little too much respect. And uh, there was a point in my career, uh, you know, after lockout, um, that half season, I started to feel like, you know, I I know I belong in this league. I know I can be a good player in this league and I can play against everyone. So um, from there on, I felt like I've been getting more and more comfortable and better and better. I'm playing against the top guys. And, um and I feel like, yeah, over the last few years, too, I've taken another step. Certainly has as we uh, continue on here with Peter Labardius, our, our Flames insider on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Uh, before we let you go, Lou, uh, I do want to, to pivot to the, the biggest story in the hockey world today, and that is the Montreal Canadiens firing head coach uh, Claude Julien. For people outside the Montreal market, seems to have caught a lot of people by surprise. Uh, what did you make of the, the Habs making a change of coach today? Disappointed. I think it speaks volumes, Peter, to the pressure, the division, the expectation, and the pressure that people feel based on those things. Um, Claude Julien, I've had great regard for a long time, and I always will. Always will. Always will. And that's not going to change. Um But isn't it interesting, and Jeff Ward talks about this tonight on the Coaches Show, how teams this year have struggled coming out of long breaks. They've struggled. So the Canadians get off to a great start. And have they been off of it a little bit? Yeah, they have. Absolutely. Um, The Montreal Canadiens, here's what I would have to say. I always think it's interesting, and again, I don't pretend to be a general manager. I don't pretend to be a coach. Never will be at that level. However, when I think about the Montreal Canadiens, do I think they're better than they've been in a long time? Yes. But do I think... When two of your center icemen and their excellent players are 21 and 20, going up against the type of competition responsibility that you go up against every night in this division, I think you're asking a lot sometimes. So do I think the Montreal Canadiens are a good team? I do. Do I think they've been better? than they've been for quite some time. Yes. 
Do I think that Claude Julien's investment in seeing that in people and how he's brought along Suzuki and Kotkaniemi and Mark Bergevin deserves a ton of credit for building and and adding Sherratt and Edmondson and you know the pick of his coaching of his scouting staff of Romanoff adding Jake Allen. But the center ice position in hockey is really important. And I think at some point, those two guys who are dynamite players, in fact, there's been a lot of talk about Nick Suzuki and Patrice Bergeron. But you know what? Patrice Bergeron, who, by the way, benefited greatly from Claude Julien. Did he not? And... Patrice Bergeron was not necessarily Patrice Bergeron of what he's become at 21. It's a hard business. This is a hard business. And it's never been more difficult on certain individuals in the business. And a good man lost his job today. and And it makes me sad. I have no trouble saying it and will repeat it every time I'm asked. A good way to end. I mean, not a good way. We didn't want to have to talk about that, but um, that obviously the story of the day. So we will leave it there, Lou. Uh, Enjoy the game tonight. We'll talk all about it tomorrow. Thanks so much, guys. Always, uh, always appreciate it and enjoy the heck out of the afternoon. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. If you want to ask Lou a question, you can do so. Just head to sportsnet.ca slash 960. Submit your question. If we ask it Friday at noon, then you'll be walking away with a $100 gift card to Ruth's Chris. Winner will be selected weekly until the end of the regular season. Lou's Mailbag brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Relax and enjoy while Ruth's Chris makes the experience safe and comfortable for everyone. Book your table today. Go Flames, go. We continue on with the Calgary versus Toronto conversation in a couple of different ways with Ryan Pike from Flames Nation next as we look at an important night for the big club with a breakdown of the first two games for the baby Flames as well. That as Hockey Central continues next. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Continuing on with the Calgary versus Toronto talk here on Hockey Central at noon. Flames Leafs gets going tonight. Four o'clock warm up, five o'clock puck drop on Sportsnet 960. The Fan as we welcome in Ryan Pike from FlamesNation.ca. Mr. Pike, how are you today, sir? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing well, thank you very much. We got uh, another Flames game to, to chat about tonight, and we're not talking about firing people, so it's it's a beautiful, beautiful day in the, the city of Calgary. Um, do want to get to some AHL stuff at the end of this, but we'll start with the big clubs as uh, the Flames take on the Leafs today. Um, everyone but Jeff Ward is saying that it's going to be Riddick in goal for Calgary. Coming off of a, a pretty strong performance against Toronto, it's kind of put Riddick back in the spotlight. How important do you think David Riddick is going to be for this Flames team as we continue on with a very compressed schedule the rest of the way? Well, in a word, very. I mean, you know, I, I think it's hard not to be 
amazingly impressed with how well Jacob Markstrom has done in his role. I mean, coming into you know, which, like, let's be honest. If you know, in Vancouver, he was a guy they could rely upon, but I think, in a certain extent, he was sort of a, a pleasant surprise. Here, they they went out and they said, "Hey, here's a bunch of money. You're going to be the guy." And he he hasn't wilted at all. He's been very good, and even in the games where he wasn't amazing, you couldn't really blame him for any of the goals he gave up, or very many of the goals he gave up. So, but you know, in long long term, you know, you you don't sign Jacob Markstrom for games one through twenty one. You sign Jacob Markstrom for the playoffs. So you need to make sure he's fresh for the playoffs. And a good way of making sure he's fresh is being able to spell him off with uh, David Riddick. And you know, David Riddick, you know, he, he's had two seasons in a row where. He has not been amazing in the second half of the season for, I think, what probably ended up being injury reasons. But part of part of it might be fatigue, and I think the fact that they've seen what happens when you overuse a guy in the first half of the season with when Riddick last couple of years gives them some uh, some insight into how not to do it with with Markstrom. So you know the, the Flames were playing, let's be honest, not amazing 200 foot hockey to the point where if you're a guy like Riddick and he's trying to figure out his game throwing him in there, you know, probably wasn't something they wanted to do because they wanted to give him, you know, a, a good clean sheet to work with. With Markstrom uh, dealing with an injury right now, they don't really have that option. And so they threw him in the deep end and he managed to do pretty well against a very good offensive team in Toronto. Yeah. And I'm not suggesting that they brought in like Artem Zagadulin to put Markstrom in an ankle lock so they could sit him for a couple of games. But it does kind of seem like this comes at an OK time against the Leafs, maybe not so much, but they, they really did need to kind of slow their role with Markstrom a little bit, it felt like. And so maybe this is one of those blessing in disguise sort of things that you now are forced to give Markstrom a bit of a breather. Yeah, and you know it's it's a nice coincidence that they're in Toronto because one of the things I think the Leafs have been doing a nice job with over the last few years. I mean, they're a team that will always live and die based on how Freddie Anderson plays. But I think the Leafs have been pretty smart the last couple of seasons, looking at the workload, both you know in terms of you know dressing as a starter and dressing as a backup and practice workload for for Freddie Anderson, and sort of spelling him off from time to time and carrying three goalies at times and you know the the days that Freddie Anderson's not playing sometimes he just doesn't even dress he just sort of stays home and chills and if you're someone like Markstrom who's you know who's going to play you know an absolute colossal amount down the stretch you know maybe this is a blessing in disguise because you get a chance to have Zagadulin come in and be back up and you know for for a guy like Zagadulin who's you know still pretty young and only you know he's in the second year in North America for him it's a cool experience for him to come in and be able to sort of work with a guy in David Riddick who is very much in Zagadulin's shoes three, four, five years ago. And, you know, Riddick came in as a young guy and an unknown and was able to really make a name for himself. And, you know, I'm not thinking that Zagadulin's going to get much if any NHL action, but just, just for him being able to sort of sponge off of Riddick and see how he, how he carries himself because, you know, Riddick was a guy who was able to learn from being a good AHL goalie to becoming a good NHL goalie and occasionally an excellent NHL goalie. So, you know, this whole situation, while you don't want your top guy out for too long, there's a, there's some several linings, I think, to how the Flames manage the goaltending and what they can do with them in the future. I was actually just about to ask about Zagadulin because this is the the first part of a back-to-back for the Flames with a bit of travel involved as they go from Toronto to Ottawa uh, to play tomorrow. Do you think we we see Riddick back-to-back or could we uh, see Artem Zagadulin in a, a Flames jersey come Thursday night? I have absolutely no inside information whatsoever, but... <laughs> 
if you're going to start a guy with zero NHL games in the second half of back-to-back, you might do it against Ottawa. I mean, you know, the Senators have played pretty well of late. You know, their you know their last week of good games may or may not have cost Claude Julian his job, but on the other hand, they're still Ottawa. And you know, it, it, for the Flames, if you have Riddick standing on his head tonight, and if he sees north of thirty shots, and if Jacob Markstrom isn't uh, a guy who's one hundred percent tomorrow, you know, may, maybe you do look at Zagadouin. So. I, I think it's a possibility, but, you know, I don't think it's their first choice, but, you know, he's, he's definitely made a, a, a good case for himself at the AHL level for, for some consideration. Chatting with Ryan Pike from flamesnation.ca here on the big show on Sportsnet 960, the fan, I'm Peter Klein. He's well known. Ryan, uh, we talked about this a lot this week. I just, your expectations tonight, knowing that, Again, you can't uh, give the Leafs seven power play opportunities and, and hope that they don't score. I mean, uh, you don't want to knock on and, and rag on the referees, but uh, at the same time, it's kind of been a theme this year. Maybe not seven power play opportunities, but um, Calgary's been going to the penalty box way too much here lately. It feels like. Uh, we, I don't want to. I don't want to bring up the Wyman effect, but I, I'm afraid Twitter will get mad at me if I don't mention that. Uh, all kidding aside, I think you know the, the Flames. They're, they're a group that you know. I think for them, the, the penalties they've taken at times have been a, a, a consequence of sort of the disjointed nature of their team. Because you know, if if you if you aren't playing you know a structured defensive game inside the dots, you're going to have to haul guys down every now and then or clutch and grab to maintain position. So. I think if the Flames can keep improving their two-way play and sort of, you know, their structure, I think they're going to have fewer and fewer penalties. I mean, you know, as of right now, I think league-wide, they are 17th out of 31 teams in, in penalty minutes against per game. So they're basically the league average team in terms of penalty minutes. Uh, that said, they have some games where they take seven and some games where they take two. And I think, you know, the coaching staff would be very happy if they can get it down you know, around three or four per game, because, you know, if you're killing off one penalty period, you know, it gives your guy, it gives your PK guy some reps and, you know, it gives your goaltender a chance to sort of, you know, get a sense for the puck. But if you're taking, uh, you know, three or four penalties a game or three or four penalties a period, rather, that's a little bit too much. And it, it really disrupts your ability to roll four lines. I mean, Glenn Godden, he played, what, three minutes last game because they simply didn't have the ability to throw their fourth line out there for regular shift because there was so much special teams going on. So I think for the Flames' ability to just sort of roll their lines and play their game, I think they just needed to stay out of the box. And to do that, they just need to play more structured defensively. Your thought on, on there's been a lot of talk. You, you mentioned the low ice time for Glenn Godden, kind of the same factors or same reasons why we saw that for, for Valimaki on Monday. But at the same time, there has been, at least I have seen, a fair share of criticism from him, uh, whether it be fans or, or certain media members on, on Valimaki's play this year. Ryan, what have you noticed? Uh, what have you seen maybe trending the last couple of weeks? Are you concerned about Valimaki? Not really. I think he's been fine, I, but you know, he's, he's a guy they have high expectations for. And I think, you know, to a certain extent, when you have a guy who's a first round draft pick and was so good, uh, you know, two seasons ago when he did play in NHL games and was so good in Finland over the break, I think your expectations do go up and he is sort of held to a higher standard. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I think, you know, to be honest, I think to a certain extent, it's kind of hard to really judge the whole team right now. I mean, 
they're playing so little because of how the games are going that it's sort of difficult to to judge. Like, you know, I've, I've been even hesitating to ask the coach about Glenn Godden. You know, Glenn Godden looks like he's going to be playing his third or fourth NHL game this week, but, you know, he's, he, you know, doesn't get a chance to really play and he doesn't really get much of a chance to, to play the game flow. And, you know, you got to look at the guys you're playing with. I mean, you know, the, if you're Valimaki, you're on the third pairing, sure. But with sort of a rotating cast of characters beside you, uh, you know, occasionally it's Nestroff, occasionally it's Connor Mackey. You know, the last game or so it's been Oliver Shillington and it looks like Shillington will be in that role again today. But, you know, the, the lines they're playing with, I mean, the forward lines, you know, they're playing a lot with the bottom six and the bottom six is sort of, you know, a jumble of guys depending on who's healthy and depending on who's going. And so I think, you know, the way that the third pair has gone to a certain extent is a consequence of, you know, the, the Flames coaching staff really emphasizing trying to get their ducks in a row in their top six and their first, you know, top two pairings. So, you know, I, I think, you know, Valimaki will get there eventually, but, you know, he much like the rest of the team, I think he just needs to, you know, have a bit more structure to his game because, you know, when he's feeling confident and when he's, you know, he's getting a chance to really play with the puck, he can be really, really good. But, you know, much like everybody else, when he gets scrambly, he's very scrambly. And when he gets scrambly, the team tends to have the puck in the back of their net more often than not. Last one from me. You just keep mentioning the name Glenn Godden, so I'm going to go there. Um, he's going to play again tonight, um, I would imagine, because the American Hockey League, the, the way the season has gone, uh, I, I have to think because they're back playing games, like eventually when the team gets back to Calgary, they're going to send Godden down. At least that's what I would do. Uh, Mr. Pike, he played just over six minutes on Saturday, uh, just over two minutes on Monday. I think this guy's better served right now in the American Hockey League. It's hard to get a read on how ready a guy is when he barely plays in the NHL. But are you in the same line of thinking as me? Um, your thought on Glenn Godden and kind of where he fits right now in the organization picture? I, I sort of look at it the same way I look at it with uh, with our team's Agadulin situation, where you know right right now Glenn Godden's in the lineup because Derek Ryan is hurt and because they have a little bit of cap wiggle room with uh, with Derek Ryan out. Uh, but you know when when Derek Ryan's healthy, it, it does the team a lot more good having him play in in Calgary on the AHL team than traveling around the taxi squad. So I think long term, you know, once Ryan's back, we probably see Godden go back to the Heat. Uh, but in the interim, I mean, you know, he's still a super young player. He's only in his third year of pro hockey, and you know, he's been a guy who's taken steps every year he's played in the American League and. For him, you know, getting a chance to play, even if it's just five minutes, you know, he's played five minutes in the NHL right now. And I think five minutes of NHL time will do a lot to sort of show him what he needs to work on and the pace and sort of the little things that you don't really think about until you get there and go, whoa, this is a lot different than I thought. So, you know, for him, I think it'll be big and it'll be helpful. And then, you know, he gets a chance to go and play well, you know, guys who don't really need the playing time, who just hang out in the taxi squad and travel with the team. So, you know, he's, he hasn't, I don't think he's done anything to really hurt his standing. And, you know, he hasn't really played enough to really do anything to hurt his standing. But I think, you know, long-term it'll be, you know, something he can grow off of because, you know, Derek Ryan's contract's up at the end of the year and Glenn Godden seems like the logical replacement for him long-term because he's another right-shot center who can play that 200-foot game. But, you know, for, for Godden, this is probably a chance to sort of, you know, sponge some time and then go down and uh, keep building your game so that when Derek Ryan potentially does leave the team at the end of the season, Godden's the, uh, the guy who's ready to step in. 
couple more here with Ryan Pike from flamesnation.ca. I said big show earlier. This is still Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Uh, just kind of spinning off of the, the Stockton Heat conversation. Not an ideal start to the season for the Stockton Heat. A uh, goal differential of quick math minus 10 to, to start the year against Toronto. Probably not how the coaching staff drew it up. Uh, what have you made of the, the first couple of outings for the now Calgary Heat against Toronto? Well, I mean, you know, it's, it, a lot of it is sort of, you know, puck lock of the bounces. Uh, you know, the, the Marlies, uh, who they're playing against, had played, you know, a bunch of games before uh, they came to Calgary and the Heat had played zero. And at times it looked like the Heat had played zero. It uh, They looked a little bit rusty. It was a bunch of guys playing their first, you know, if you look at the, the rosters, the, the, the Heat came out of, you know, they had Connor Mackey who had played NHL games this year and that was basically it. So, it was a lot of guys knocking rust off, a lot of guys sort of getting their timing back. And, you know, to some extent, some guys are sort of a little bit jumpy because they weren't quite used to the game pace. And, you know, I, th- I think that's to be expected. But, you know, the, from all accounts, the guys that you would hope to be standing out, uh, Luke Philp, Matthew Phillips, uh, unfortunately, neither of the goalies of the Heat dress. But, you know, the guys that you were hoping would make uh, make some positive impressions have. Uh, Adam Rzichka apparently looked quite good. Uh, you know, Connor Zary, first game was eh, not, you know, he, he made a, a rough play that ended up on a goal against on his second or third shift. Uh, and then, you know, he kind of had a jumpy game. Uh, but he was a lot better last night, but, you know, it's uh, it's a process thing. Uh, you know, the, in the NHL, you're hoping to, you know, win a bunch of games, make the playoffs and have, win a Stanley Cup. When you're in the AHL, you're hoping to do things that will get you to the NHL. And, you know, the, the Flames are really emphasizing development uh, from Stockton. I mean, you know, depending on how the schedule goes, we might not even have a playoffs in the AHL. But they feel like, you know, having the, the reps for these kids is really important because it'll get them all a step closer to the National Hockey League. So, you know, two games, 0-2, oh eh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, you know, I think they'd like to get some wins, but I think the, the fact that they're playing games right now that means something and they're getting some game action in, in the long term will be a lot more valuable for these guys than a lot of wins. Mr. Pike, thank you as always for this, sir. We'll chat again next week. Take care. There is Ryan Pike from flamesnation.ca joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Now open for limited dine-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975 at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. I'm Peter Klein. He is Will Nault. Logan Gordon is our producer today here on Hockey Central at noon. I think I've got that wrong a couple of times today. Uh, Will, before we head over to the the big show here at 1 o'clock, do you want to touch on on the, the biggest story in the hockey world today. We mentioned it with Lou in the, the first segment, but the Montreal Canadiens have fired Claude Julien. Not a sentence I thought I would be saying this season. They fall last night to the Ottawa Senators. They've dropped three in a row, four of five. So certainly a bit of a skid for Montreal, but I what well, th- this wasn't even on my radar in terms of things that could happen. I was stunned by this. What did you make of the news that we saw today out of Montreal? Yeah, he was just kind of waking up and someone had mentioned that the Habs had, had fired their coach and I was just like, what? Uh, what? Sorry, what? And it just took me a while because it was not something that I was, to your point, waking up expecting to uh, to see today on, on the newswire. So was absolutely stunned by the decision and I, I I just still cannot wrap my head around it. I understand that they have struggled a little bit here, um, but they're still in a playoff spot. They are still a team that generates a ton of scoring chances. 
this is still a coach that, to me anyways, completely changed and turned the path of a guy like Kakaniemi, who was spending time in the American Hockey League before he uh, rejoined the organization. And he's built his game back up, along with Nick Suzuki, the, w- the work he's doing there. I'm not saying it's all on Claude Julien, but to me, this is still a guy who is a top five, top ten coach in the NHL. And, and all due respect to Dominic Ducharme, uh, but a team that's in a playoff spot, I believe should be fighting for a playoff spot. I get that it's a short condensed season and Mark Bergevin perhaps is feeling the heat. So maybe he felt he had to do some sort of knee jerk reaction type move, but I, I gotta be honest. I, I don't get this one. And I feel like in not even a month's time, they're going to be regretting this decision. I really do. Yeah. I I'm completely with you. I do not get this one at all. Like there are nine, five and four on, on the season. That's, I think quite good. Um, and, and yes, like again, they have kind of sputtered here the last little bit, but you, you look at like, this is a team that again, no train or minimal training camp, no preseason games. You make quite a few additions to this team with Josh Anderson, with Tyler to You bring in Corey Perry. Um, I, I don't, know how much Michael Froelich has actually got into things, but you have Jake Allen back there as well. There's a lot of moving parts here. And like Lou said, your most important position down the middle, you're super young. And to your point, those young centermen, I think, have taken some steps to the point where you and I were talking about how that wasn't necessarily as big of a concern for us in the at the start of the season because one of those kids could probably take another step. And I think mm-hmm. we've seen it from a couple of these guys. I, I don't I don't like this one at all. Like this one has all of the feel of a panic move that could make things. I don't don't think it could make it go completely sideways and they're all of a sudden going to turn into Ottawa. But I I think things were going fine right now for, for Montreal. And to your point, like high danger chances, they're one of the top teams in the league. Just most of their underlying numbers are very, very good out in Montreal. The only thing I can really wrap my head around for this is that the Montreal Canadiens were one of the few teams who were actually spending money this offseason. And this is not an easy time to be spending money as we are in the midst of a global pandemic. And I understand these guys are billionaires and blah, 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 blah. But still, when you are spending money and not making any of it, that can get a little bit dicey. And so I can see kind of from ownership standpoint, I spent all of this money. I did not spend it to have this team be in fourth. And while I think that's remarkably short-sighted, that is the only way I can wrap my head around this thing. Yeah, and I mean, they had a great start based... Uh, their, their schedule was certainly easy off the uh, off the hop. I understand that. Um, but this, to me, was was still a playoff team. And, and um, because of the pandemic, as you mentioned, Pete, that's why Dominic Ducharme is the interim coach. They're not going to go out and get somebody else here. Um, I, I, I don't, uh, yeah, I, I can't, I, I'm having trouble understanding this one because I feel like it was going to sort itself out. It was just a little bit of a slump and, you know, I, I don't know, maybe there are some people in the Montreal market that feel like it was coming for a while. So this is just us from afar, but you know, that goal last night from Brendan Gallagher counts and they beat Ottawa. We're not talking about Clojillian being fired today. Maybe it buys him one more game. Like, I don't know. Was was Mark Bergeron this close to, to firing him anyways? It's it's kind of hard to, to wrap your head around the fact that just one more loss to Ottawa was the, the final straw here um, for this team. And, and it's not only, you know, it's been, what, only a year since they brought Julian back in the fold? So, yeah, it's it's a lot to, to, to look at here, and, and I guess just over two years. But still, I uh, I don't understand it, and I do feel like they will deeply, deeply regret this one. I really do. 
Yeah. And I just, I don't see the point of panicking out there right now. Like I, I just, I understand only three points up on, on Calgary for that last playoff spot in the North division. We can talk about points percentage, but just for my brain, it's easier for me to talk about points. Um, and, and you look at like, I understand they are paying Carey Price a lot of money and he's 33 and you're paying Shea Weber a lot of money and he's 35. So there is a bit of sense of urgency to get something out of those guys while they are still kind of worth the money that they're making. But this is a team that has 13 draft picks next year. And you look like Drew ends 25. You have Brendan Gallagher at 28. You still have, and we talked about the, the youth they have down the middle. This is a team that is set up, I think, pretty well down the road aside from a couple of contracts that could look like albatrosses going forward, but aren't right now. Like I just, I re Montreal was the last team I expected to have to panic right now, just based on how well they're yeah. set up for the future as well. But then I guess it just shows you that, uh, that market. Hey, I guess that, uh, yeah. that tells you everything you need to know about that market. Cause I'm with you. Um, but Hey, it's, uh, it's certainly, it's certainly one that I, I think have fans maybe aren't as surprised as the rest of the hockey world. Um, the Kirk Muller one, I, I think, is easier to wrap your head around. It's not a, a power play that's been overly strong, and he was responsible for special teams, and your goaltender wasn't playing uh, necessarily to the top of his game. And I, I think at the end of the day, in this sport especially, as Lou said, it's a hard business. And, and unfortunately, um, Klein, that, you know, bad goaltending and bad special teams are usually things that get coaches fired. Yeah, and that like, special teams has been an issue there. There is no working mm -hmm. around that. They're in the bottom third in the league, uh, both power play and penalty kill. And when you have Shea Weber on your team, you should not be bottom third when it comes to uh, power play. A couple of texts at 960-960. Feel like desperation in Ottawa. They were the worst team to sneak into the playoffs last season. Bit of success there. Might have overhyped expectations. That is another part of it, too. Like, this is a team that basically shouldn't have been allowed into the bubble last year, but because we needed to even things out, you had a 0.3% chance of them making the playoffs. Come on in. And they have a bit of success there. They try to build off of that. But yeah, this is, I, I don't view this as a team that is underplaying expectations right now. Yeah. It's, it's a weird one. I, I, I can't, I can't, uh, I don't agree with it myself. No, no, I, I, I do not like it one bit. Um, but seeing a couple Habs fans who are in on it. So it's, Maybe we're off, but I, I just I, I think that Montreal is going to regret that one. And it's tough for Claude Julien, too, because this would be one where you say he's going to be unemployed as long as he wants to be. It's kind of tough to do border hopping right now to, to go find another job. So uh, we will see where he lands up. But I, I think certainly he's going to be a, a National Hockey League coach before uh, before too long. I do want to, to bring in. Uh, Logan Gordon to our conversation. I know he's cu busy cutting audio for Flame stuff today, so he's probably cursing at me as I am bringing him in. Uh, but Logo, I, I want to get your reaction as, as clearly uh, that this is Corey Perry coach killer. Uh, your thoughts uh, on Corey Perry um, probably doing in uh, a head coach in Montreal? Yeah, uh, this is this is expected when you uh, you bring Corey <laughs> on. This is the kind of. Uh, turbulence that you expect um i think you can place this squarely on the shoulders of 94 or whatever number he's uh wearing there that's all i have to say about yep. that yep sign cory perry people get fired that is the the general thing that we can come to from this today uh logo said that in the iconic studio powered by iconic electric and controls community it's iconic contact them today at iconicec.ca. i've called the show the big show enough today we may as well go to the big show coming up next as it is flames you're, you're caught up because the big show is in the news today that's that's why you're all caught up isn't it is that what it is that's very true you're okay yes it is 
I, I've already I've already had a lot of big show talk in my life yeah. today as uh, as Paul White signs with AEW. So yes, I I have big show on the brain. So we may as well get to it next on a Flames game day here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.